you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, a mini exposition before actually preaching the sermon I wish to preach. The, many of you are familiar with that, very familiar with that passage in the Gospels, and often it is translated, you must be born again by water and the Spirit. And the word in Greek that means again can mean both again or from above. It's the same word. So this was a slightly different translation, I know, than what you might be familiar with, but it is the same Gospel, just in case some of you were hung up on that. Maybe that was not needed, but... Anyways, the, I didn't know which gospel, I, uh, in, the, in that moment, which one was being read because I want to preach off of this epistle this morning, Romans chapter 8. Because if you hadn't noticed, today is Trinity Sunday. And what I want to press home is this, that if we don't believe in the triune God, then we're less than Christian. Understanding, and by understanding, I don't mean to its very depths. No one but God himself can understand the very depths of himself but just in its outline, in its breadth, understanding the Blessed Trinity is not some uh, like optional 500-level elective course that you could take if you desire as a Christian. It is basic Christianity that is our bread and butter, and as we shall see, it's actually part of the, sa- the, the knowledge and the faith which saves us. Because if you take away a belief in the Trinity, you end up going one of two ways, right? You either go the way of Islam and uh, Platonism and, uh, let's see, Judaism, in believing that there's just one God and that's the end of the story. Or you go the way of Hinduism and the Greek pantheon and other religions in believing that there's many gods. And as Christians, we reject both of these as not describing reality, right? As Christians, we believe there is one God, but he is three persons. One God who is three persons. If, as is often the case, this raises the question for you, how does, what's the logic of that? How can it be one and three at the same time? Um, of course it's not logical. We would actually expect that God's descri- the creator's describing of himself would be beyond the ordinary categories of thought that we live with. It's not logical, but it's true, and we confess it by faith, beyond what is sort of knowable by human reason, that God is one, and that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is actually this great central claim of Christianity, It's so important, it's why almost every prayer in our Anglican liturgy ends with a Trinitarian doxology. We can't really go through many lines of prayer without saying, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who with you, Father, and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God forever and ever. If you worship in the church for a while, that's just like a phrase that is instinctive because everything that we do involves our triune God And the liturgy is really trying to press that point home so we never forget it. My question for you this morning is, is this what you believe? Do you really believe God is triune? And a way you could test is, um, when you think of God, when you pray to him, what is it that you picture? With your mind's eye, what is it that you see? 
do you picture the triune God? Or, or to use a phrase from C.S. Lewis, do you picture just some sort of bright blur? Or some people picture an old man with a big beard? Or if you watch a lot of movies, you might picture Morgan Freeman. <laughs> All of these things would be uh, misleading and, and would actually miss out on the great Christian truth that we worship a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So how, how do we picture the triune God? With our mind's eye, what are we, what are we to, to conceive in our imagination when we think of the word Trinity, right? Because when I say the word table, you can think of a table. When I say Trinity, what do you think of? Because the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is a spirit, and so invisible. So not a lot to go on there for the imagination. Jesus says in John chapter 6 what we instinctively already knew that no one's ever seen the Father, right? By process of elimination then, for our imaginations, when we conceive of God with, in our minds, when we look at him with the eyes of our heart, um, we begin with the Son, the second person of the Trinity. We begin with the Son because it was only Jesus who revealed that God is Trinity. Right? Before Jesus came, nobody knew that. <laughs> it was Jesus who said, who spoke of his Father in heaven, and then who said, I will send the Holy Spirit. And the apostles were like, whoa! They didn't even get it, actually, until the Holy Spirit came and opened their eyes. Then they finally understood all that Jesus was saying, like, whoa, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And right away on Pentecost, pieced it all together and, and proclaimed that gospel of God who has revealed himself to be triune. We didn't know that there were three persons until Jesus revealed it. And we also begin with the Son, because it was the Son, the second person of the Trinity, who took on flesh and made himself visible, right? It was the Son who said, here is something that you can look at. This is why in our church we do have a few pictures of Jesus, right? These icons on the wall, because Jesus allowed himself to be looked at. The Son allowed himself to be looked at when he took on flesh. Right? We don't have pictures of the Father or the Spirit because... You can't draw them. <laughs> God has said, in fact, in fact, he actually gave a commandment not to, right? The second commandment. Don't make pictures of what is invisible. Right? But Jesus is the Son of God made visible. So when we think of the Trinity, we should begin with Jesus. We should picture Jesus. That's what, when I pray, I think of Jesus, the face of Jesus and the, who he is. Because that's all we have to picture and when we look at Jesus, in a way, that's like our doorway to the Trinity because when Philip asked Jesus, we heard this in our Gospel reading not, not too many Sundays ago, when he said, Jesus, show us the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we know when we look at Jesus, we are seeing an image of God. That's how the Holy Spirit would speak through St. Paul to describe Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. And Jesus says that he will send his spirit. So Jesus is kind of the fulcrum. He's our doorway to understanding the Trinity. I have a metaphor this morning, which is dangerous. How many of you have heard metaphors on the Trinity before? How many of you have heard sermons against metaphors on the Trinity? Good, there are some good ones. Um, metaphors are dangerous because they, they fall apart, at, well, some more quickly than others. But I was praying about this sermon, and I actually ran this by the, one of the smartest theology guys I know, and I said, does this metaphor fly? And he said yes. So I think it works. 
When we try and think about how we are interacting with God who is triune, try and kind of wrap our minds around this mystery of the Trinity. Here's a picture I think we could use. Uh, how many of you have ever Skyped on a laptop with a friend or FaceTimed on your phone? Uh, maybe that's a generational reference there. <laughs> well, anyways, if you Skype on a computer, you have your computer and it's like a video telephone call, right? And you can talk to someone around the world, Skype. Um, I think in some ways this actually gives us a picture, a metaphor to kind of hang our minds on for how we, we interact with the Trinity. The laptop, if you'll run with me for just a second, the computer itself, that's like the Holy Spirit that makes the encounter possible. Right? If you get to encounter Jesus and come to a saving knowledge in him, that's the Holy Spirit that did that, that opened your eyes. So the laptop is like the Holy Spirit. The image is like the Son, Jesus, and then the person of whom the image is an image of is like the Father. So we see that they're different things, and yet when we look at the image, we're interacting with the Father, and it's the Spirit making it possible. So now don't push the metaphor too far, because of course, unlike sort of a screen from a camera, which is just parroting whatever's done, Jesus wasn't just a parrot, he was voluntarily imitating and obeying the Father in all things. So that's probably the, the big weakness of the metaphor. But think of that, there's an image of the Father. The, the scripture refers to Jesus that at least a couple times. He is the image of the invisible God, the exact imprint of his nature. That's Hebrews chapter 1. So when we look at Jesus, when we picture Jesus, the man, the God-man, we're seeing an image of the Father, and it's the Spirit that's allowing us to conceive of Jesus. So that's maybe one picture as you try and continue to chew on this, in, this great mystery that as Christians we kind of just wrestle with forever. Um, I, I encourage you to think about that picture. And if you see a theological problem with it, let me know, because I, maybe I won't use it next year. Um, but I really want to drive home that the way we conceive rightly of the Trinity is no other way than first and foremost thinking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And I, I'm saying all this, these are not abstract truths, although they seem abstract. Understanding this is actually vital to understanding how God has saved us and brought us the eternal life that we just heard proclaimed again in John 3.16. And this is where I come now to, to Romans chapter 8 that I just began with. So thinking kind of robustly of Father, Son, and Spirit, the three persons of the Trinity, listen again to what the Spirit speaking through St. Paul. We have received the Spirit of adoption as sons... Right? That's not, a, that's not some just metaphor. It's sons because Jesus is the Son. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, it actually says we've been adopted through the Son. Same idea, different language. The spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Right? Do, you, do you see kind of the three persons of the Trinity sort of that are operating in this very tiny verse? We've received the Spirit that unites us to the Son, to Jesus Christ. We're with Him. And then with Jesus, we can then call God the Father, our Father. Right? That's why we pray the Our Father. Abba, Father. Papa. Abba is Papa. Dad. Each person of the Trinity is involved in giving us eternal life. God the Father so loves us that He sent His Son who died on a cross for us and suffered in our place for my sins, for your sins, who then sends his Holy Spirit 
out of love to unite us to himself to take us to the Father. You see how each of the persons of the Trinity loves you and has done and is doing something for each of us. The Trinity is not just some abstract doctrine. This is the, the only way to understand the eternal life that God gives us for free. Enabling us to lay hold of it by the Holy Spirit. Earning it for us, Jesus Christ, the Son, so that we can be reconciled to God the Father. Does that make the Trinity a bit less abstract? It should. I hope it does. This is, this is really fundamental to really understanding who God is and, and what he's done for us. The gospel of our salvation in Jesus Christ only makes sense when we understand Jesus as the mediator between us and the Father. When we understand that he's the one who's given us his spirit, the spirit of the Father, the spirit of himself, to be able to live with God and live forever. So many times, many times when I preach, you know, there's some application, something, an aspect of the Christian life we can lean into more in the week ahead. This week it's simply this, that we would worship God more fully and more rightly. That in our hearts we wouldn't just have some narrow, almost pagan concept of just God in the sky with a beard or something, but that we would really see, wow, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. My hope is that maybe this week you, you might have your mind blown, maybe during Eucharist in just a few minutes. Indeed, if it seems like an old truth or something that doesn't blow your mind, ask for the Holy Spirit to blow your mind with it. Blow your mind is not a biblical phrase. <laughs> but I think it captures the wonder that biblical writers speak about when they speak about God. When you read Paul's letters, he gets like a few verses in talking about something, and then all of a sudden he can't help himself. It's like... Oh my gosh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all praise to you. Okay, back to the matter at hand. Oh, Spirit, thank you for leading us to the Son and to the Father. He's constantly having his mind blown in joyful worship of God. So my prayer is that that would be our case today, increasingly throughout our Christian pilgrimages, um, and that you would continue to appreciate and delight in our God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.